Hello, this is Craig Ryan from the Business Development Bank of Canada, BDC, with the B Corp Effect, the latest in our series of interviews with B Corp entrepreneurs from across Canada. Today's guest is a fellow who created a company that sells cotton clothes, lots of t-shirts. And in today's world, cotton t-shirts are either inexpensive and cheap, cheap, low quality, or high quality with eye-watering prices. This fellow's business model is different. It's reasonably priced, high-quality cotton from Egypt, the land of cotton, that is ethically and sustainably produced and sourced. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Rami Halali from Cotton. Hi, Craig. It's great to be here. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you on board. Tell us, Rami, how did you come to be an entrepreneur? How did you come to this particular idea for a company? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think my entire life I grew up uh, in Ontario and my entire life I had this sense that I was always going to start my own business. I didn't know what industry would be. I probably had hundreds of ideas, of ideas. written down over the years. But I always knew that I wanted to be kind of my own boss. I think being a first generation son of an immigrant, you see that they make decisions in order to give you the ability to be able to take these risks. And I think uh, that that was afforded to me by my parents moving and immigrating here from Egypt. This particular idea, at the time I was uh, living and working in New York with my uh, two co-founders were also doing the same, uh, all originally from Toronto and Ontario. And uh, actually, I was traveling in Egypt, and Ben, one of my co-founders in McKenzie, they called me one day, and they said, very similar to what you said in the introduction, they said, do you know how either T-shirts are either expensive and have the quality you're looking for, or cheap and kind of are, are, are throwaway almost from the world of uh, fast fashion? So that really was the genesis of that idea, that, that simple statement, which seems... It's it's funny to me now that I thought it was simple, but it really I think we had a intuitive thought in that moment that I think for us things that are high quality are both quality in what you feel and in what goes into them, and I mean that by the people that make the product and the environments in which they're made in, and those things need to be respected and put in the forefront for it to be a high quality item in our opinion. Tell me, Rami. When you think about the success of cotton, what are you most proud of? We've built five schools. Uh, we run, we build, and then we run those schools. So that's teacher salaries, that's uniforms, that's supplies. And every Black Friday, instead of going on sale, we actually do a campaign where 100% of proceeds just go to building more schools. Wonderful. So that's, I think, what we're most proud of. Actually, one of the schools in Kafr Sheikh in Egypt the first 37 children, actually the 30, first 37 people ever in this village to read and write are in our schools right now. So that's something that I think we all feel very, very proud of. And rightly so. Yeah, I think it's, it's, a, it's a profound experience seeing someone write their name for the first time. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So, so tell me then, Rami, who benefits, who in your supply chain in Egypt, um, when I buy a T-shirt? Yeah. I'm wearing one, by the way. <laughs> As am I. <laughs> I listen to Fancy, but I'm wearing a T-shirt bought at Cotton. And tell me now and tell our listeners, 
who benefited from Craig's purchase of this particular t-shirt? The really exciting thing for me, being able to sit here, is I can actually tell you exactly who benefited and exactly how much they benefited. So, who grew the cotton, yeah, who milled it? Yeah, who grew the cotton, who, who spun it into a yarn, who made oh. it into a fabric, who dyed it, what kind of dyes went into it. And you've met and these people and shaken their hands? I have met those people. I am sure if I pull out my phone right now, there will be a couple WhatsApps from whether it is our uh, farming partners or uh, along the supply chain. But to answer your question more in more detail, who benefits? So if we zoom back and look at the retail industry as a whole, uh-huh. there's you know been infinite amounts of language about, oh, it's the retail doomsday and it's the retail apoc- apocalypse. And really what's happened here is brands now have the ability to have the direct relationship with customers. And in the past, that used to be a monopoly owned by people who could afford the real estate to get in front of the customers. It's no longer like that because of the internet. So we have the ability to now connect with our customers, but what that actually means is there is this margin that used to go to these big retailers, about 50% of the garment price, that now doesn't need to go to them. So our thought here was, okay, well, if that margin doesn't need to go to that retailer, we don't need that margin to build a strong business. We can actually redistribute that equitably along our supply chain and value chain. That's a long-winded way of saying we buy directly from the farms, we give them guaranteed prices and subsidies. These are all smallholder farms, all less than an acre in the Nile Delta in Egypt. From there, we partner with our yarn companies, all ethically and responsibly run then a fabric mill, a dye house, and a cut and sew. And that's all done within 200 kilometers, which is actually a big part. And a reason we do this is to keep our carbon footprint down. I see. The garment industry as it is, is the button comes from Vietnam, and the threads come from China, and this comes from that. And the footprint, that the invisible footprint, is, is very, very large. So the people on the ground, the people that in the past were being squeezed more and more, are the people benefiting the most. I see. So... A lot of people you know, real-life, flesh-and-blood people, benefited from Craig's purchase of this T-shirt. Yeah, and... Uh, and so things change when consumers know where their clothes are coming from and what went into the making. Mm-hmm. How is business? Business is, uh, is, is really great. It's exciting to see that there's a generation of people who believe what we believe. Now, you have stores in Toronto, I believe in New York, and Montreal. So we have Toronto, uh, Montreal, Vancouver. We had New York for a year, and we're currently moving that to Brooklyn. Okay. And next year, we have plans for three more stores in the U.S. Wonderful. Yeah. Ah. Now, I understand, Rami, that um, you've shared with me in the past Mm -hmm. that you're skeptical of many business certifications, Mm. and yet you uh, have chosen and have certified your company as as a B Corp. Uh, Why? So (laughs) you're right. I have said that before, but I wouldn't say that I am skeptical of all certifications. I have just been on the ground in many factories that before I actually went and met them, sent me their certifications, which is one of our requirements before we go chat with any potential partner. And it looked really good. They had all the certifications that all the big brands say those are the certifications. And I, I, I came into this I had no experience in the fashion industry, in manufacturing, in farming. What were you before? I was, in, I was in private equity, specifically in music and film. Couldn't be anything further than Nothing that. to do with cotton. Nothing to do with cotton, production, design, nothing at all. I have, uh, I have a brilliant team at Cotton that, that knows those things infinitely better than I ever will. But we've been fortunate to attract those people. So back to your uh, question, which is why B Corp? I think it was one of our investors that came to me and said, hey, listen, there's this certification. 
we believe it's a strong certification, you should look into it. And there wasn't a, you have to do it, but you should look into it. And I started the process and, and the questionnaire and, and, and the assessment. And I really thought to myself, this is cumbersome and time-consuming and hard and invasive in all the best ways. And I figured... <laughs> invasive in yeah, all the best ways. it was. It was. It was. I really felt in that moment, if they're asking these things of me, then they are asking this of other people. And everyone's being asked to put their chips on the table across the board. And that means your HR policies, how you treat your own people, how you treat others in your supply chain, the environmental impact of all of your operations. And that sort of holistic approach is something that really aligned with how we thought about the world and, and what we wanted to participate in. So we went through the process and we've been a B Corp, I believe, for two and a bit years now. And by the sounds of it, you are you probably feel as though you're managing your company better as a result. Yeah, I think that we had a moment when we were going through this where we figured where we realized that honestly B Corp is very much aligned with our mantra and how we view this uh, this company and, and and the purpose of a company. So we so yes, I, I would say that it's been very helpful in guiding how we make decisions. And you know, I think in the past people really sometimes go, these are the business decisions, these are the socially conscious decisions. We make these and whatever room is left we'll make these. But that's <laughs> not how it works. I really believe that for us to have a world a hundred years from now Mm -hmm. It's not an optional decision to really have a complete paradigm shift in what we consider our North Star. And yes, building a strong business that can employ people both internally and externally is important. But what's equally important, not secondary, not it is the marriage of the purpose of the business, which is to enhance the communities that you work in, leave the environments you operate in, better off after you leave. And those things are, are, are equally important. And the marriage of the two is really where I believe the future has to be. Now, what is hard? I can't imagine managing a supply chain of that kind of mm -hmm. complexity mm -hmm. and stores in not just different cities, but different countries. Um, what do you find hard in the management of your business? What are your what are, your, what are the tough challenges? I can maybe start with what I find to be the most fulfilling and easiest, which is to work with a group of brilliant, motivated people who see the world in the same way. And that's the thing that really excites me as I walk into our office in Toronto or in Cairo. And everyone looks different. Everyone dresses different. But the uniform thing throughout two offices thousands of kilometers away from each other is this belief that things can and will be done better. Now, going to what's hardest <laughs> is actually making that a reality and continuing to scale it without losing any of that secret sauce that made it important and made it work to start. So we, we started with a white and black T-shirt. Mm -hmm. That was it for the first year and a half. Now we have many more products. I'm wearing a bottle green Yeah, <laughs> and, and we have shirting. We have pants now. We have, shortly we'll have home and, and, and other items like that or other categories. So how do you do that but maintain that same level of traceability that you have with one white T-shirt with hundreds, potentially thousands of products down the road? So that's a really hard thing and it, it keeps me up at night. And, and it's a thing that, I, it's, that is always on the forefront of my, uh, my kind of 
I have an issue list in my head and I uh-huh. prioritize the issues of the day. Okay. And that is a pretty consistent one where, okay, let's make sure that this is true to what God is here. Is this treating everyone with respect? And what does respect mean? How do you quantify that for people? We're getting to a stage now and a number of team members where you don't get the pleasure of working with every single person every day. So you really need to distill those values and be able to disseminate that across the team in an effective way without stifling their creative thinking, their autonomy, uh, their sense of uh, participation in decision-making. So that balance is a hard balance, I think, to strike. Let's talk now about your medium or long-term vision for cotton, Urami. Um, the Pavlovian reflex in a lot of business circles is scale and yeah. achieve world domination. Yeah. Um, I'm suspecting that's not your plan, but it seems to me that this model Mm. could be used for other kinds of fabrics and other places. So yeah, I think you hit that right on the head. That is the next step that we are working on right now, which is other verticals. We've done what we've done with cotton, with Egyptian cotton. And now how, how can we look at silk, linen, other natural materials and do the same there? That's one thing. And then the longer term and the biggest vision here is we talk about internally how we exist to change how things are made and consumed. Shift the paradigm. So made is easy, complete, not easy, but clear. It is traceability, ethics, sustainability in the core of every decision you make. That's on the supply side. And that's something we've done with cotton and we'll continue to do. On the consume side, and changing how people consume is, is a much more vague one, but one we believe is equally important, which is to change our collective consumer habits to match with what's left in this world. We can't want everything all the time and accept everything, expect everything to be okay. At some point, it won't. And there needs to be a fundamental shift inside each of us. And I'll be the first to say, myself. And we should want less. We should be content with less. Mm-hmm. And this isn't a, a, uh, a hippie sentiment, utopian, utopian thing. It's, it's a tangible decision that we can make. We have these micro moments where we can make these decisions throughout the day That's right. of just consuming less, doing less. And, and, and these micro moments times billions of us on this planet will make uh, quite a compound difference, I think. Oh, and with cotton, you're on the way to changing the minds or the mindsets of a fair number of people, I think. Now, I can go to your store in Montreal, mm-hmm. but I have nieces and nephews mm-hmm. who live in St. John's, Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. Where on the web would they find your store? So it is www.kotn.com. www.kotn.com. Our guest today has been Rami Halali from Cotton. And I, on behalf of everyone listening, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Craig. It's been wonderful to hear about your success and interesting to hear about what's tough as well as your vision. Thanks, Thanks. Craig. This has been Craig Ryan uh, from the Business Development Bank of Canada, BDC, with the latest of our interviews, the B Corp Effect, interviews with cool entrepreneurs from across the country. See you next time.